Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to a crossover edition. It's the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, the Lockdown Blue Jackets podcast. Today is Wednesday, uh, January 19th, 2021. I am Detroit sports editor Noel Bianchi, the host of Lockdown Red Wings. Ethan could not be here today. He uh, is unfortunately at work at the moment, so he'll have to watch the game probably sometime Monday night. But since, you know, it was a little matinee game, figure we'll get the work out of the way just a little bit early. We teamed up with Jay Forrester from Lockdown Blue Jackets, and here we are. It's time to recap the game, maybe do a little bit of uh, a season outlook, see what it would take to get uh, PLD off their hands. You know, man, we're going to answer some questions today, folks. Uh, but first, let's welcome in Jay. What's going on? So happy to have you, and congrats on uh, picking up your first one of the season. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It. Uh... Honestly, like we talked about this a little bit before, before recording, right up until the final buzzer, I was like, we're going to we're gonna piss this lead away like we keep doing. Uh, but no, that was that was a fun game, especially the last like 90 seconds or so was uh, was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. anyway. Yeah, you have uh, Dylan Larkin and Zach Wierenski fighting. Then you have uh, Bobby Ryan and Oliver Borkstrand fighting. Just on our side, two guys that, like, the last two people you would expect. Uh, and then you have the added, you know, gravity to it with the fact that Wierenski and Larkin not only played together at U of M, but played together growing up uh, through the Bell Tire system here locally in the Metro Detroit area, too. So that was just pretty funny uh, to see those guys squaring off in particular. Yeah, and like Bjorkstrand doesn't fight either. So to see him <laughs> like drop the gloves with Bobby Ryan, especially, was just very kind of sure. I guess why not? Why not? Have <laughs> well, that it was, it was funny too because of the way it happened. Because it happened right after a goal, which was initially ruled not a goal, so it was just a scrum in front of the net. And then all of a sudden, like the camera just expands. You're like, oh, like dang, Dylan Larkin's fighting Zach Wierenski. And it just keeps panning out. And you're like, oh, dude, Bobby Ryan's fighting Oliver Berkstrand. <laughs> like, it just, like, the perfect way to end this 3-2 hockey game on a sleepy Monday to start the season. Yeah, and it, like, it bodes well for the rest of the series as well, I think. If, like, if there's some bad, if there's some bad blood brewing already, I think tomorrow's going to be fun, and I think it's just going to kind of keep ramping up, especially, like, you know, it's it's Columbus, Detroit. It's one of the as old school as Columbus can be, considering it's only been around for twenty years. It is, <laughs> you know, an old old school rivalry for Columbus, especially. So this is true, and I mean, like, this is something I think we're gonna like. This was like the first taste for us, at least, of we saw like some real animosity and we've talked about on this show kind of how that is going to play into future matchups. When you're playing teams eight times a year, it's just naturally going to happen that these altercations are going to occur. But uh, unlike in previous years, you got to go right back the next day and play them again instead of like, Oh, well, we'll see them, you know, three months from now and it'll be at their place and everybody will have completely forgotten about all of that, but no, it's, it's coming right now. And if things start to boil over again, it's something that's just going to grow exponentially uh, as the game or as the season goes on, I would think. 
Yeah, especially with like obviously because they're doing back to backs or like double headers a lot of the time. So it is like almost like a mini playoff series type thing. Yeah. So obviously yep. we're going to play, we'll play two games now and then we'll play another two games. So it does kind of give that, they haven't really had a chance. I don't think they'll have had a chance to, <clears throat> to really kind of cool down until the puck drops tomorrow night, you know? Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Now on my end, I got a uh, Bobby Ryan player of the game, two goals of fight in just over 14 minutes of play. Uh, again, scoring a goal scorers goal off the face off after Tyler Bertuzzi almost put the Red Wings up one and nothing. He scores with a nice little wrist shot. Uh, scores again later in the game. The goal was originally given to Mantha. Uh, that scramble out front that we just mentioned preceded that little scrum uh, at the end. But what do you got for your player of the game over on the Blue Jackets side? I mean, it's got to be Corpusalo. Like, mm-hmm. lights out good. I think 37 saves. Yeah, two goals, 37 saves, uh, including like that one on Batuzzi just before the goal went in. Yep. And then I believe another really good one on, I think, Mantha. Yep. Uh, in the third period, that was the same kind of, I'm just going to throw myself across the net and hope that I get in the way of it kind of goal, which, I mean, he's been he's been our best player so far this season, I think. Like, he's been really good. I have uh, I have some questions about Jonas Corpusalo for later on in the show when we do our little uh, the season outlook type deal. Uh, because the Columbus Blue Jackets, they do have that super young tandem and I think things might get a little interesting as the season goes on. You got the uh, the expansion draft looming. We'll we'll get to that in just a second. But I would definitely uh, agree with you. And yeah, that Mantha chance. Uh, it was a pass across from Bertuzzi, just kind of handcuffed him. But his ability to just get across the crease has, was so, so impressive from start to finish in this game. And it was one of those things where you beat him once and then you go through like a little bit of a tough time and, you, and you, you, your confidence really starts to dwindle that he can be scored on as the game passes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's like, he's a different goalie to the one that backed up Bobrovsky. Like last season, he was incredible. He made the all-star game and then obviously he got injured uh and then he's just kind of he was amazing in the bubble like again he was our best player in in the playoffs i think and then you know he kind of just picked that right back up where he started so it's it's really fun to watch him and muslikins kind of grow together as a as a tandem because i was really worried when we lost bobrovsky so i was like we have corpusalo who has been shaky and muslikins who is basically untested and they both have kind of turned around and been like, actually, no, we can, we can hold the net for, for Columbus. So. And now in hindsight, that $10 million contract that Pabrovsky signed in Florida ends up being a massive, I don't even know if bullet is the right word uh, to say that you dodged. It's more like a missile, like, like a, like to, a truck. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so um, I, um, I actually, a friend of mine knows uh, Jim Corsi the Blue Jackets goaltending coach in Cleveland and they were talking about the Bobrovsky deal and apparently as soon as he heard about it he was just like nah too much money too much term for I mean Bobrovsky's what 31 now yeah 32 like it's it's too much money for bottom of the league goaltending which is what they got from him last season and when he went I I just don't like those gambles on those goaltenders either like post 30 like Sergey Bobrovsky always been a very, very good goaltender, but I still, I mean, in hindsight, yes, it's obvious, but even in the moment too, you're kind of just like those, those deals, they just don't work out often. 
No, that's the thing. Like I was, I was sad to lose him. Like he was one of my favorite players, like right from the beginning of being a Blue Jackets fan. Uh, and then he, I was like, no, that's it's too much money. Like, yeah, too much money for an old guy. Like he's been really good for us, but he's gonna start declining soon. You know, he's not Henrik Lundqvist. He can't. Yeah, he can't put up those kind of numbers forever. So. Now, uh, the Red Wings very good in the face-off circle today, 159%. But I think the real story of the game, uh, Jay, was in the fact that the Red Wings, 13 giveaways, Columbus only four. And the first goal, it was kind of technically a giveaway, though all all things considered. Uh, or sorry, the second goal that, that Columbus scored, Texier scored on the wraparound. That was a dump out by Nemeth, hit off the linesman, kind of went back the other way. I'm sure that qualified as a giveaway, although it had a lot of little bit of bad luck involved. And then on that third goal, I we've really been trying not to dog on Anthony Mantha so much. It's just it's been a slow start, but it's only two games. But then it, it's a situation like this. Uh, personally, if Jay, if you'll indulge me while I, I go on this mini, no, no not no. even a rant really, but the the puck bounces to the corner. Mantha has a step on Grigorenko ultimately decides to play the body instead of trying to slap the puck back around the boards, maybe get another cycle going, uh, completely whiffs on the hip. Grigorenko gets the puck up ice to Pierre-Luc Dubois, and that's all she wrote. Uh, that ends up being the game-winning goal. He scores on a breakaway against Thomas Grice, who had been very good in this game uh, up to that point, although the, the what is it, 8-9 save percentage probably won't reflect that quite as much. No, I think partially the problem as well was the fact that Stahl just kind of drifted off towards the bench for a change and the second defenseman couldn't get back there in time so I think yeah. it was just kind of a case of okay Mantha made a mistake and Stahl probably made a mistake and then you know it just kind of either one of them would probably be okay but both of them at the same time just felt very kind of okay we're just going to open up the wings just completely opened up and like for a big guy Dubois has got some wheels on him so it's uh it's a tough tough break but and i think we're going to be doing uh a lot of mark stall complaining as this season goes on quite frankly yeah. like this I, I i almost don't like to do it so early you know like run out of steam but uh he also he he had a, a beautiful gorgeous opportunity i don't even know how you is there a word that's like greater than wide open because that's that's pretty much the opportunity was he was looking at oh and, yeah of course uh, he was like the fourth <laughs> right off the post nowhere so uh just a bummer there but we're going to continue on uh with our recap of the blue jackets and red wings game one the blue jackets defeating detroit uh three to two in the monday afternoon matinee but first i got to talk to you guys today about built bar uh, they've got six new amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. That, of course, goes on top of their 12 original flavors, which are all delicious. My personal favorite, the mint brownie, the one I had for breakfast this morning. Started my day off with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, all of the good stuff, barely any of the bad stuff. And let me tell you what, on top of it all, the bar was covered in 100% chocolate. The bar was soft and easy to chew. It was fantastic, folks. You simply cannot get a better protein bar for your money out there. And when you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
There's an old man sitting next to me Making love to his tonic and gin <laughs> All right, and before we hop into segment two here at the Lockdown Red Wings slash Lockdown Blue Jackets podcast, we just want to take a moment to say thank goodness because 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. And if you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Lockdown Bets with their boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Just subscribe to Lockdown Bets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jay, uh, let's hear from a Blue Jackets perspective. What did you like about this game from your squad and, and what didn't you like? I mean, up until like the third period, it was very much a case of Corpus Allo was good. Um, I think Boone Jenner's had a fantastic start to the season. Uh, Texier has kind of fallen into this center role kind of by necessity, but he's doing really well. Uh, and then everyone else has just kind of been struggling. Um there was a lot of talk about how like Pierre-Luc Dubois looks really uninspired this season, which kind of makes sense considering he doesn't want to be there. Um, I've ranted about that enough, so I'm not necessarily going to get into that uh, in any great detail. I thought Jones and Wierenski have been only okay. Uh, they were a garbage fire on Saturday night against mm-hmm. the Nashville Predators, uh, which we lost 5-2. Uh, they were better today, but I think that only happened once they got split up. Uh but like the third, the third period picked up a little bit. Uh, we tend, we seem to be able to like make tape to tape passes, which is not necessarily a given with this team. <laughs> uh, the penalty kill is still, still perfect, I believe. Uh, we haven't scored a power play goal, but that's because the power play is haunted, uh, and so I'm not expecting anything at this point. When if we draw a penalty, I'm like, okay, fine, that's two minutes that we probably won't get scored on. So. <laughs> I've kind of given up with the with the power play at the minute, but there was a lot of like little things to like. I don't know that it was a great kind of team performance as a whole, but enough of the right guys had decent games that I think we kind of are trending in the right direction after Saturday's effort. Funny you say that, actually. I think I saw one tweet uh, from the Twitter user. I believe their handle is just at Valino. Uh, he said, Red Wings are five for five on the power plays here. Uh, just to clarify, that means they haven't given up a shorthanded goal on any of their five power play opportunities. The Red Wings also uh, yeah, cannot that sounds, score that real familiar. on the power play. And and it's frustrating. And I guess we can kind of unpack this from a, from a merely like – I don't know, observational standpoint, like what is it about your power play that uh, has, has left a lot to be desired this year? Cause I know the Red Wings, I mean, their second power play unit just looks quite awful, frankly. And and the, the first one simply can't finish. And on top of the fact that it looks incredibly sloppy that they're uh, they're making a simple pass back to the defenseman and then it ends up in the neutral zone, just lots of frustrating stuff like that, that I hope, will kind of get cleaned up as the season goes on. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a, very, a really similar story in Columbus, I think. Uh, our power play has been bad basically since Sam Gagne left in, what, 2017, I think? 2016, 2017, I think was the season that he was with us. Uh, and our power play was really good with him. And then after that, uh, it's just been really bad. And I don't know, I think it might, you know, a combination of kind of the wrong people on the ice and kind of the systems are not great. I've noticed that like, it doesn't seem to matter who we put on the power play. They always do the same thing. 
And clearly it's not working, but for whatever reason, instead of changing up how we do things, we're just going to change who does things uh, and hope that eventually something will kind of click. Uh, I did like uh, Domi pass to Bemstrom and had that really strong one-timer. Like if you yeah. can, can get that going, because that's what he was famous for in like juniors back in uh, Finland, I believe he played, or Sweden, uh, then like that's going to be dangerous. But apart from that, like that was the only good luck we had on any of our power plays, really. And that was a goal that I, or that was a chance that I think was muted by how well Thomas Grice got over and like squared up to the shot. But like, that was a pretty good opportunity that, that pass uh, a very solid pass. Like you just mentioned, I think, you know, for Detroit, it was nice to see, their top line getting going. You mentioned the problems with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we've kind of had those same issues with a, a couple of the guys in the top line. That turned around a little bit tonight. Larkin had six shots on goal. Bertuzzi and Mantha each end up with four. Uh, Mantha originally gets credited for that second Ryan goal, but uh, ultimately that was flipped to Ryan. So Ryan, uh, who a lot of people, including my co-host, Ethan Smith, uh, who many people didn't necessarily believe in the experiment, here he is, three goals in, in two games. It's been nice. Uh, but what are you seeing out there from maybe those those other guys uh, on your squad, the Felinos of the world, you know, who are, are tasked with producing? Um, I mean, well, first of all, I do want to say that the Detroit top line is so much fun to watch. Thank like, you. Lock in that was just... not the case for the first two games. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just, every time they were on the ice, I was like, this is going to end badly for us. This is going to end badly for us. And then, you know, ultimately, Corpusalo kind of did what he needed to do. But it, like Dylan Larkin is just one of the most fun players to watch, I think. Like, he's just so much fun. Uh, but in terms of, like, our depth, guys, it's really frustrating because Nick Felino is, like, the, the Nick Felinos of the world, you say. Like, it's, in my opinion, we shouldn't be putting enough pressure on him to score because he's not going to be a goal scorer. Like he had 30 goals in 2014 and has, I don't know that he's beaten 20 since then, but he's paid 5 million a year. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really kind of tough situation because he is good and he is kind of the stats like him. He's a really solid possession guy. Uh, but a lot of people kind of don't seem to, to take that into account they're like oh we only had 10 goals last season and i'm like yeah but we're not looking at him to score goals yeah um he's playing on a, i'm trying to think what line he was on this game it was a really strange kind of i think it was him domi and jenna were on a line uh which was a really weird a really weird line uh and it seems like we keep trying to put him into these offensive like lines and these offensive uh opportunities when we should be deploying him much differently than we are. Uh, now, I would like to shift the conversation a little bit because I've mentioned it before, the Red Wings and Blue Jackets play again tomorrow. Then they'll play six more times uh, as the season goes on. So first off, congratulations uh, on the win. We're now tied for sixth in the uh, fifth and sixth in the old uh, central division here. Real exciting. I was just hoping that the Red Wings were going to have a winning record in January. If, if the Blue Jackets lost this game and the Red Wings were two and one with a six sixty seven winning percentage in January, you would have had to log off Twitter for at least the next 24 hours. So, Oh yeah, I would like, (laughs) 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 it's the little wins here. Uh, But let's talk about kind of the bigger picture. Obviously the problems with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think a lot of people kind of, 
understand the crux of the issue there. But how are you feeling about this team? Because yes, there are those criticisms of John Tortorella where you say, hey, some stars don't like to be talked like to like that. Some stars don't like to be uh, treated like that. But the, uh, the, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of players in this league where that type of motivation does get people going. That type of motivation and that kind of old school style can help just a little bit. So are you, I, I guess our fans, where do fans in Columbus stand? Because it seems that maybe he's kind of the reason that talent wants to leave, but also whenever people talk about the Blue Jackets, they say, yeah, well, you know, it, they got Tortorella. He's always going to get them ready. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword there. It appears from the outside looking in. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a pretty even split within the fan base as well. Like I am a big fan of what Tortorella has done with this team. He has kind of created this team that is we're more than some of our parts. Like somehow we have we have like the second longest active playoff streak at the minute in the <laughs> in the league, uh, which was unthought of before before Tortorella came into town. Uh, so you know, I do like. I think he's developed our younger guys pretty well. Uh, but I, yeah, there are there are people out there, and I am kind of turning into one of them who's like, right, okay. At what point does he start becoming a detriment to players that do not play the way that he wants them to play? Like, and I feel like Max Domi is going to fall into that uh, yeah. that kind of category as well of not very good defensively, and therefore Tortorella is just gonna just gonna rake him over the coals every time. It is a weird like balance to find because I think for the first time in a long time, or like maybe, maybe this is not accurate. I guess you can help me out with it, but it feels like for the first time in a long time, the Columbus blue jackets over the last two, three seasons have had an identity. And for the first 15 years of its existence, I don't think that could really ring true. Like it was the Rick Nash show in Columbus forever. And then now this team has an identity uh, with Tortorella. So it's like, do you sacrifice the chance that star players might not fit with the identity? And, and here's the thing with a guy like, or with like the situation that the blue jackets are in, right? Like, it's not like they're going to lose Pierre-Luc Dubois for nothing. Like if, if Pierre-Luc Dubois ultimately ends up being moved, there will be some sort of compensation. So I guess you also have to weigh that as well of saying, Hey, well, maybe the next guy that comes through will be some guy who fits into this identity and to fits into the style of play that Tortorella is looking to uh, play. And you kind of saw something similar in New York with Matthew Barzell uh, the way the Islanders play kind of limits his ceiling. And it's like, well, you kind of got to find a nice balance there where everybody kind of gets what they need and the team ultimately is better because of it. Yeah, exactly. And I do think a lot of people are reading into um, the, you know, that video that people keep sharing from the bubble where they're screaming at each other on the bench. Uh, and honestly, every time someone shows me that video, I feel like they personally owe me $10 uh, <laughs> because at the end of the day, like, he's an adult like Pierre-Luc Dubois is a grown man and if he can't can't handle being yelled at like he plays hockey like he has been yelled at by coaches since he was you know four years old yeah like he's not he's not leaving because he doesn't want to get yelled at uh and it's really frustrating when people are like oh Torts is mean to him and that's why he wants to leave like that's he's a hockey player it's not like it's not that deep I promise uh (laughs) But yeah, it is kind of, I think it is going to eventually come to a point where it's going to be like, right, do we sacrifice 
Tortorella for the chance that guys might want to stay stick around. Uh, and I do think if we lose Tortorella and hire a different coach, we will lose that identity, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's something that the front office is very kind of, they want to hang on to Tortorella, I think, because he's a proven commodity in a way that guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois are not necessarily. Like, he, at the end of the day, he's still only 22. Like, yeah. he could he could fall off a, like, his production could fall off a bridge next year, you mm-hmm. know, and he could not be, not be heard from again. So it is kind of, do you want to take that risk and get rid of Tortorella in the hope that a young star will pan out that wouldn't otherwise? Or do you want to kind of build the team around this coach who, you know, almost everyone in the league, they always have good things to say about him. They're always like, oh, I loved playing for Tortorella, you know? So mm. it's it's a it's a weird kind of line to, to walk, I think. Well, and if uh, they were making a decision like that, one could say that it would be a gamble. And if you like to gamble, and if you want to bet on some of the NFL games this weekend, if you would like to bet on the Red Wings and Blue Jackets rematch tonight, then head on over to betonline.ag because there is only one place that Jay and I trust and only one place that has you covered. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. You put $100 in, they give you $50 for free. You put $200 in, they give you $100 for free. It's literally free money folks who can pass that up especially with all the great football march madness hockey nba basketball whatever you want they got it at betonline.ag do not sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline your online sportsbook experts this is uh, Bertuzzi looking at Setaguchi across the ice, and your dead seems to be what uh, he's mouthing. And before we hop into segment three, I just want to remind you guys that since the regular season is underway, the best way to keep track of all of it is by subscribing to Locked On NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're bringing it back for segment three here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast and Lockdown Blue Jackets podcast. It's Jay Forrester, Noel Bianchi. We're here for you. We just recapped game one of the Blue Jackets and Red Wings first series of the year. And Jay wants to fight me. Can you enlighten the uh, can you enlighten the audience as to why you would like to inflict violence upon me? And I get it. I get it. Like I'm I just want to say, first off, I get it. Okay, so set the scene. I am innocently kind of scrolling through Twitter. I'm busy live tweeting the game for all of the Blue Jackets fans. You know, we're having a great time. Uh, and I see this tweet from the Lockdown Red Wings uh, podcast that says that future Detroit Red Wings goaltender <laughs> has, made, has made five saves in the first two minutes. And I would like to say that you can't have Jonas Corposalo uh, because he's ours and we're keeping him. <laughs> so it's a, it makes sense completely for the Red Wings, but from the Blue Jackets' perspective, does that make sense at all to you? Um, not really, and here is why. Uh, Elvis Muslikins is exempt from the expansion draft. Oh, my goodness. So 
So we can protect Corpus Allo, have Moslekins be exempt, uh, and I believe we will probably end up exposing uh, our third string goalie, uh, Matisse Kivlenix. So I do think that at some point we move on from one of Corpus Allo or Moslekins, uh, but they're both signed at the minute. Uh, I don't see us moving them this season. I could see us maybe moving one next season if one of them uh, kind of seems like they're picking up steam or if we think we could get something that we need for one of them. But at the minute, like we've got two good young goaltenders. I think West, I think they're signed and it gets costing us six and a half million a season for both of them together. I mean, so, that's, that's, you're pretty much in heaven right there. Yeah. I honestly, yeah. I, maybe I thought that Merzlikens was like an extra year ahead in his development and therefore was not exempt. I don't know. There was there was a big kind of a big fuss when they announced the the trade the expansion draft stuff, and everyone kind of lost their minds of oh well we we should trade Corposalo so we can keep Muslikins or the other way around, and then it turns out that no because of uh, when he signed his entry level, he hadn't uh, he didn't have enough NHL time I don't think uh, between signing his first contract and the expansion the expansion draft cut off so he is he is exempt and that means that we can keep him for free basically all right well that kind of throws all of my plans uh into into a blender and i mean i think if we pours if them we out on the right, cement if we got the right pieces i think we might yeah. explore explore trading him but at this point it's like like and yamakakalainen especially is happy to wait everyone else out yeah. i think like he's not the kind of guy who rushes into things and makes trades that you know haven't he hasn't thought through properly like i was really really eager for him to sign taylor hall this off season we cleared all that cap space i was ready and then he was like actually no we don't want to do that uh he's going to wait out some other teams that maybe are in some kind of cap trouble and maybe trade for for someone on them if we need kind of scoring help so i don't see kakaline and making kind of a, a panic and, and unless we need to you know what? Like that's the ideal. Like if I had to pick one trait for a smaller market team that like other teams are always kind of take advantage of, it would be patience. Like that to me is the the defining characteristic of the Columbus Blue Jackets front office right now. And I think because when you're a smaller market team and these things happen, like with the Pierre Luc Dubois thing, we saw it. Uh, I don't know if we consider Colorado a small market, but like the Matt Duchesne deal, like Joe Sackick was not going to get bent over on the Matt Duchesne deal. And I think that you'll probably see something similar. I mean, we did see something similar a couple of years ago where it was like, Hey, they're going to lose Panarin and Bobrovsky. And he's like, well, we're just going for it. I, I like the blue jackets. I think this is why I like the blue jackets a lot because for years and years and years and years, they made those deals at the deadline and they would be sellers and they would limp in. If they get into the playoffs, they'd limp in if they, you know, they do anything at all, but that year that they beat Tampa, they went for it at the deadline and they said, you know what? We're going to completely ignore the fact that neither of these guys look like they're going to return next season. And we're not going to use that knowledge to gain assets and prepare for the future because all we do is kick the can down the road. And lately you've seen the Columbus Blue Jackets not kicking the can down the road. And I think that's what has uh, really helped me come come around on them. Yeah, for sure. Like Kekalainen talked a lot about that, about how it's almost like he's, he treated Bobrovsky and Panarin almost like 
we got them at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Like he was calling those our our trade deadline moves. We basically rented them to ourselves, uh, even though we knew that we definitely weren't keeping Bobrovsky. We probably weren't going to keep Panarin. And so I kind of see that unfolding in a similar way with Pierre-Luc Dubois is I think he'll treat him like a rental mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe move him at the end of the season, depending on playoffs and, and what happens like that. But yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to outweigh Yama uh, Kakalainen on a lot of things. I don't think. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, where are you at now? Three games in compared to where you were maybe this time last week in terms of expectations and what you were hoping for from this season or have, has that changed at all or, or kind of where, where are you right now on that? Uh, I mean, historically we are kind of a slow starting team. Uh, I'm not as worried now that I know, now that we've beat the wings, I'm like, okay, like maybe, <laughs> finally to the predators, these predators losses was kind of an overreaction. Uh, but, like I talked about it on on uh, my on Locked On Blue Jackets yesterday, uh, it's a case of this happened to us in the season. The season we were bad enough to get Dubois, we went zero and eight, yeah. and it got to the third game in the series. We'd lost two in a row to New York. The third game was against a very bad Buffalo team, and I was like, "It's fine. It's a nice, easy. It's Buffalo. You know, yeah. it is. It is." Uh, it's, it's going to be fine. Like we will, I don't even think they had Eichel at that point. So, you know, they just, they really had nothing going for them. And then we went into that game and then we lost. And then we went, we lost five more games after that. And so I kind of was going into this like, okay, if we can, if we win this game, it's fine. I feel like if we lose this game, then it might be cause for concern. Uh, but now that we've won the game, I I feel a lot better. And I think it's going to be a case of, I think we still make the playoffs. I don't necessarily think my original prediction of us finishing third in the division uh, comes through. But like I said, we are historically kind of slow starters and it does take us a, a week or so, or, you know, I guess a, a couple of weeks in regular games to, uh, to kind of find our, find our stride. Well, you have the good goaltending too, and that was something that today really earned you the win. When I mean, the Red Wings for the first time all season now played somebody, uh, I mean, kind of through and through. Like there were a lot of times, like especially in the second half of the game, uh, Columbus was the better team. But like for all intents and purposes, Jonas Corposello kind of won that game for oh, the Columbus. Oh, for sure, we had no business. Jackets. We had no business winning this game. And <laughs> and and that's what you need. Like that that is the benefit of having a rock star goaltending duo and that is they can pick you up out of these slumps uh and that was that was kind of what we saw today i really do think though that with those two guys in that it's going to be hard for them to not make the playoffs like dallas is kind of an unknown but i think carolina and tampa are firmly like at the top uh dallas maybe number three but i don't i don't really see any of those other teams beating out uh beating out Columbus and over the course of a 56 game season, I suppose we shall see, but I still believe that you guys probably land third or fourth in that, in the, in the central by the end of the year. So what about you? Do you think that, are you going to be challenging for the first overall or <laughs> do you, cause I've been kind of flip-flopping back and forth on Chicago versus Detroit as like 
who's going to finish. I am adamant that the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be the worst team in the division this year. And I think that they're going to be the worst team in hockey. I was kind of like going through their, their lineup and uh, very similar talent level on the forward lines, but the goaltending situation in Chicago is just an absolute mess. Like they don't have an NHL starter, whereas Detroit now with Jonathan Bernier and Thomas Grice have two very, very good starters. Like that's a pretty good tandem to hang your hat on. And I think that alone is just like the Chicago's defense can't make up for not having an NHL goaltender. And when you don't have good goaltending in your teams, eh, like that, that just things get away from you so quickly. And like, we saw that last season with Jimmy Howard, 20 game losing streak to end the year, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but like, I think that's going to become a theme with the Blackhawks this season. They're going to lose a lot, a lot of games. They're going to lose a lot of, they're going to have like a lot of five goals against games. Like I think truly, obviously still a lot of hockey to be played. Still don't know what the early returns mean, but I just, I, I don't see the Blackhawks finishing better than eighth. No, a good goaltender covers a lot of sins I find, which, you know, we kind of saw, Today yeah. with Corpusalo just deciding that if no one else was going to win the game, then he just would. Um, even even the first two games for the Red Wings before this, I mean, that's what we saw as well. I think Thomas or Bernier stopped twenty nine to thirty one in the win on Saturday. Bernier and then, was phenomenal in that game. I thought he was really good. Yeah, and then Grice before that stopped. Uh, I think it was thirty nine to forty one. So, I mean, I guess that that will be the Red Wings will live and die with that with that duo. Yeah. And you guys haven't had the injury history of Chicago either, like. No, yeah, but it, I guess it'll be interesting this year too with like uh, the the COVID protocol and stuff like that. Obviously, losing Robbie Fabry for two weeks is not in any way comparable to losing Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taze for the entire season. <laughs> no, and and I, you know what? Let ideal. me let me clarify my stance on the Chicago Blackhawks. That is the only reason I think they're going to finish last. The fact that they, I mean, you lost your top two centers and uh, a pretty good winger like that's just what's gonna happen it just is what it is you know like that's i don't want this to be come off like uh bought her blackhawk slander because it's not i just i don't think they're gonna be very good this year <laughs> no and like losing losing sad for zadorov like yeah. they've they made a lot of yeah it is what it is it's like, really confusing yeah moves but yeah did you have anything else for me mm don't think so unless you want to talk about what you would give up for Dubois Ooh, hell yeah all right now before we get you out of here we have to we have to ask what is what is the price for Pierre-Luc Dubois is there kind of a, a an asking price that has been settled on or, or what's what is that situation I mean that's like? that is the question isn't it they've taught <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff coming around about how he really wants to go to Montreal and so our asking price was I believe Suzuki and Alexander Romanov uh was was what we started at and Montreal quite rightly was like um no uh but I think maybe like a Kokaniemi and a, pros- a defensive prospect or Kotkaniemi and a first rounder. But beyond that, I think it's a case of it really depends on how Texier shakes out at center. Because I think if Texier becomes a really good center, 
then we can maybe concentrate on picking up like a scoring winger. Mm-hmm. But it's it all really kind of depends. I think it could change five, six times before the end of the season in terms of what we need. And the thing with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is it's not like you're getting a uh, a 27-year-old player who's really good. Like we are still four or five years away from knowing Pierre-Luc Dubois' prime. And like we talked about this with about Connor McDavid, like people forget that he's still like four years away from his physical prime. Like, oh yeah, he's going to keep getting better, which is horrifying and disgusting. But yeah, and, and so like the deal with Dubois, or even the deal with Line, where you look at these guys and you're like, oh, do you really want to give up a first rounder on top of this and this? It's like, it's a bona fide number one center elite absolutely like that is that is like having that one two punch up the middle is almost the like categorically across the board the number one criteria for being a cup contender and so like that's why that's why the blue jackets kind of have struggled historically because our last so we had dubois our last number one center was ryan johansson and before that you know we don't even i would argue that we didn't have a number one center yeah, a reasonable number one center, you know. So, losing Dubois is going to sting, but uh, I think the the other thing for me as well with Dubois is that he apparently wants a bigger stage. Yeah, uh, but of the teams that I would consider big stages, he's not going to be a number one center in Toronto. He's not better than Austin Matthews. Yeah, he's not better than Connor McDavid in Edmonton. He's not better than Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. Like. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see kind of that bigger stage versus like where he's actually gonna get number one center playing time. Uh, very pettily, I did say, I did laugh at the thought of him going to like Arizona because <laughs> he doesn't have a no trade or anything. He can't veto a trade, and it would make me laugh if he was if he wanted a bigger stage and then he got sent to Arizona. So, yeah. Yeah, or like Florida, maybe something like that. Florida does have a lot of our does have a lot of uh, ex Blue Jackets. Oh, so that's true. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it would take a lot. It's interesting you mentioned a winger because I think a lot of Red Wings fans, especially after these first couple games of the season, are ready and eager to throw Anthony Mantha's name in pretty much any uh, trade scenario uh but it would take far more than that it would uh, i'm guessing on top of that it would probably at least take a first round pick plus maybe a good a a solid middle prospect i don't really know but uh yeah i think if it was if it was mantha i would want mantha i would want mantha and the first rounder and probably a, a roster center but like a bottom six roster center, probably. We'll give you Luke Landani. You guys need any uh, help on the, oh, on God, the penalty we... kill? <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we picked up Koivu for face-offs and penalty kill and like quote-unquote leadership. Uh, and then obviously he's in COVID protocol. So now the people we have that can win face-offs are Riley Nash. Well, like that's our, that's our face-off guy now. <laughs> and like <laughs> Jenna, um, which I miss Brandon Dubinsky. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I used to really like Brandon Dubinsky. Let's see, Luke Lundenning today on in the face-off circle. 13 14, of 15. Yeah, he was 14 of 16, I think, by the end. Oh, there we go. But 
You got your is... man. All right, Luke Lendening for Pierre Luc Dubois. The deal is done. <laughs> one for one. Is that, that? Yeah, the deal is one for one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's even worse than Derek Avampato of Lockdown Kings offering me Jarrett Anderson Dolan and like eighty percent of Jeff Carter. Well, I mean, like, you, I mean, you're not just getting uh, Luke Lendening. You're getting the intangibles that come with Luke Lendening oh, that yeah, earned him course, the assistant captaincy on this uh in this prized franchise like a prominent franchise assistant captain so yeah there's a lot of a lot of weight behind that yeah uh <laughs> all right jay <laughs> this is a lot of fun go follow jay uh on twitter at jay the goalie correct indeed at jay the goalie follow uh lockdown blue jackets at lo underscore blue jackets that's also correct it is Look at good me. job social media managering it up uh go follow us on twitter at lo underscore red wings you can find me at nolan bianchi we'll be back here tomorrow to recap game two between the blue jackets and the red wings thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back here tomorrow same time same place it's your team every day Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.